Thanks for tuning into Behind the Scene, a conversation dedicated to uncovering our biases and how to navigate them in a constructive way. Hi, I'm Martin Bauer. And I'm Brandon Polk. And welcome to Season 3, Episode 7 of Behind the Scene, a conversation focused on understanding the biases that are at the root of society's racial tensions. Today, we are continuing our trend by bringing a guest on. I think this is our third in a row, uh, which is, I think, the most guests we've had. I think, I think so. Yeah, yeah, it is. Okay. Yeah, lucky Half us. season here. Lucky <laughs> us. Uh, always enriching conversation when you get to talk to a variety of people from different kinds of backgrounds and perspectives. Uh, today's conversation is going to be uh, around the topic of victim or villain. Uh, and we're joined today by Kareth Foster, who has a number of titles, uh, humorist, motivational speaker, TV and radio personality, actress, author, blogger, entrepreneur. Uh, is there anything in there that I'm missing? I, I don't crochet. <laughs> okay. So no crochet. Okay. But well, do you horseback ride? But do you I, I, ride? <laughs> Not well, but I do. <laughs> <laughs> same yeah. not so, well i'm the same i do it only a little bit well and it's right? a fascinating it's like <laughs> yeah something that people wouldn't normally know about me though kara mark i don't even think you know this is that when i was a child i aspired to have a horse ranch and um i wanted 19 horses exactly um, wow because i i had envisioned being married and having 15 children at the time because it came from a big family <laughs> So I thought I'd have 15 kids, I'd have me and the wife, and then I would need two horses for guests. And that was Aww. 19. So we'd be like, <laughs> you know, the traveling Vaughn traps or the Vaughn poles, you know, going through the hills I of Virginia. It. Yeah. So anyway, so I never really learned to ride well enough for that. So that's adorable. Okay. So no, <laughs> no questions. And we're no already I love that. Today. <laughs> yeah. Well, today's conversation. So, Carrot has a new book out called "You Can Be Perfect or You Can Be Happy," and uh, one of the things that really stuck out to me in that is what we've talked about all along this season is checking the box and checking the box that people are trying to put you in, or you're trying to put yourself in. And the, over the last few months with this pandemic, people's lives are really being disrupted. Uh, and it's exposing a lot of imperfections, right? Where people thought that they had things down, maybe because they had a really stellar routine or maybe their jobs were bringing them a lot of joy. Uh, and when things like that get turned on top of their heads, uh, it really disrupts your life and makes you reevaluate things. And, uh, and then on top of that, you have the racial conversation, which itself has been uh, really disrupted and erupted. Things have come to a head. Uh, and so people, you know, not only do you have your daily routines topsy-turvy but now you have you're experiencing a lot more woke people where they're they're realizing you know things aren't quite the way they, they've understood things to be so really just kind of discombobulated a lot of folks and um, and so I thought your book really kind of fit perfectly with that and in a conversation earlier with you 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 kind of framed it up perfectly as uh, we're either in this conversation the victim or the villain uh, but life doesn't fit us neatly in those kind of categories. And so how do you deal with that? How do you deal if you find yourself in the victim category or how do you deal if you find yourself in the uh, the villain category? So uh, I, I wanna hand it off to you to uh, to give a quick intro about yourself and 
and kind of how you find yourself in this conversation. Um, sure. Well, thank you. Tell no, us everything. Thank you. Tell us I, tell everything. Us everything. We don't have enough time for everything, but <laughs> I will give you the highlights for sure. Uh, so my name is Kara Foster. That's K-A-R-I-T-H. Um, it has always been interesting having a, a unique name. Um, a lot of times people thought my name was Karen, especially when I was little, and I just had a speech impediment. <laughs> so, like, no. Cute little brown girl. Shame about that list. Um, oh. But the T-H is intentional. Um, so I've always had a bit of humor about me and, and seeing things uh, through a quirky lens, if you will. I was a goody two-shoes, so I was never the class clown, but I was smart and I, I really observed things. And because of that, I thought, what better career than to be a journalist? So that's what I got my degree in, because I thought I'm going to be this beacon of light and truth. I'm going to make the world a better place. And then I got my degree in it, and I went to work for Barbara Walters, and I saw a whole other side of it. Mm. Um, but while I was at The View, um, a job that kind of became like the Devil Wears Prada, a million girls who kill for this job, why are you miserable? Mm. Um, I, <laughs> I realized that there were other people who made the rules, you know, the sponsors, the networks, all the truth I thought I was going to put out there um, really was going to have to take a backseat for a little bit. But then I found stand-up comedy. And it was like the lights went off and wow, this was the medium where I could be authentically myself. I could have fun, but I could also get people to think. And I, I loved having that platform and it was an incredible vehicle um, for many things, television, radio, traveling the world, cruise ships, all that type of stuff. But I wanted to marry my passion with a purpose. And that's where the speaking came into play. Um, and this really, I think the catalyst was having worked for Don Imus, uh, who, if mm -hmm. you remember, in 2007, got in trouble for uh, the derogatory uh, language uh, with the Rutgers women's basketball team. I refer to that as Nappy Gate. Yes, and, it was um, Nappy Gate. It was. I remember. Right? <laughs> Tell us all the inner. Please give us the. Sure. So, yeah. I mean, it was the perfect combination. He, he called the Rutgers women's basketball team, who were mostly African-American women, um, Black he called them nappy headed hoes, which, mm. you know, here's the thing. It, as an, as much of an advocate for free speech as I am, and I am as a comedian and speaker, I also understood the, the comedian side of things where you're riffing, you're trying to be funny, you're trying to think of your feet. You know, I miss at the time was, I think, pushing 118. Um, yep, he was trying Close. to be, you know, <laughs> old hip white guy and he failed miserably. You know, and if you really listen to the tape, those weren't even his words. He was parroting someone else. He didn't even know what he meant. Not that that's an excuse of any kind, yeah. but I think there should always be perspective given to everything that happens, not just what it was at face value. Like what was what what was what happened before the famous line, you know? And right. so what was really unfortunate was that this thrust innocent young women into a spotlight they did not ask for. And once he realized that had happened, he was contrite in his apology. And I, I do believe he was. Um, and somebody in his camp, I don't know if it was him or someone else, said, listen, if you want to get back in the air, uh, the smart thing to do would be to diversify your staff. And that's where I came into play. You know, I was, mm. I'm a woman, I'm black. I, you know, I was the perfect, I share about this in my TEDx talk. You know, I, I was the perfect person. And it was the perfect job. You know, I got to be on the air, be fun, talk news, politics of the day. What no one factored in, at least I didn't, was how damaged, unfortunately, my former boss was. 
And he essentially, after things got back into swing, got comfortable and wanted me to be the voice he couldn't be. And that's where we started to have some problems. So Mm. my time there, while it was extremely challenging, and I, this is the very di- most diplomatic way I could say it. Um, <laughs> it. It really set me up for a path of understanding that, you know, I have a purpose. And my purpose is to take this message of unity to everyone. And just because everyone doesn't fall into the same category or see things exactly the same way doesn't mean that they have to be taught it the same way. And, you know, I really realized early on that if the diversity and inclusion programming and workshops and trainings that have been in full effect pretty much since the sixties had been working, we'd be in a different place than we are now. Wow. And so we needed to do something different and nobody was doing anything different. And I was shocked. So I'm like, I have to be that person. Um, not even thinking that it was me alone doing this because I'm like, I'm sure other people have this idea too, but even from what I've seen now, since, you know, George Floyd, there, the, the amount of diversity trainings and, and attention and money being put toward this, 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 uh, you know, under this umbrella is astounding. And it's still being done the same way where if you think of the word diversity at the root of it is, is divide division. And that's the approach people have been taking. And, you know, we spoke earlier, it's where you put your, your attention toward is what you get. So the more you tell people they're so different, they're so different from one another, the more you're going to get people thinking, well, we're so different. We can't possibly come together and, and, and work this out. Um, so that's where I chose to diverge from the pact and, and say, let's, let's work on inversity. And inversity is still the acknowledgement and the honoring of the our histories and the qualities and the special and unique things that we bring to the table as individuals. But it's also shifting the focus from what separates and divides us to what do we have in common? How can we be truly inclusive of one another? But most importantly, introspective, meaning understanding your value, your worth, your connection to humanity. Because if you can see those things in yourself, then you can see it in someone else. So instead of working from the outside in, like we've been trying to do for decades now, we need to start working from the inside out. That's so good, Kareth. And, um, you know, it's, it's such a challenging time, you know, where even that explanation that you just gave, you know, between the differences of diversity, the root of diversity, um, unto what you're talking about with being more inclusive of our stories and introspective mm-hmm. toward our personal transformation and learning how to navigate, you know, through systems um, that are challenging, you know, for people of color. Um, a, a couple of questions for you. One is, how has this moment sort of having an impact on you personally? Uh, George Floyd, Miley Virus is what I call her. She came in like a, she came in like a wrecking ball. People and these people mm-hmm. are tired of this joke, but I haven't told you that joke. And as a person that tells jokes, <laughs> I just really want you to assess my delivery and the actual content of the joke. But um, in reality, um, you know, this is a really personal work that you're talking about. So thread that needle for us. You know, how do you bring your personal self, your personal story, through comedy? Um, through your speaking? And then how does that work actually in programming um, to help students, to help adults, to help me? 
you know, um, Absolutely. Uh, really be able to discern the difference between what other diversity programs are doing poorly, what they're doing greatly, and what inversity then has 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 to offer me as an alternative. Sure, sure. So I love that, that you brought up the fact that I do include humor because, I mean, if people really think about what comics do, our number one job is to tell the truth. Uh, number two is to get people to laugh, and and in that is getting people to understand how connected we really are to one another. And it's by poking fun at the absurd. And what is more absurd than people being up in arms with one another because they happen to have a different package or think differently or vote differently or a different size or love differently. Like that's complete Mm. absurdity. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of comics, you know, the ones who are worth their weight in, in, in gold will actually, you know, Dave Chappelle, I think, is one of the most brilliant ones out there. Agreed. You know, he talks about really, really, you know, sensitive topics. But, you know, when I speak, I, I say you also have to look at people's intent. What is his intent for that? Is he trying to really, you know, put people on the outs or is he trying to say, look at how silly this is? that this is where we're going with this. Right. Um, and he's just, he's a genius in that respect. But I also believe that there is a gift within comedy that I don't think a lot of people, civilians, as we call you, <laughs> appreciate. Right. Living in appreciate. the lower and, <laughs> Right? And that, is, and that is that with comedy, you know, everybody remembers their favorite teacher or professor. They were the person who made class more engaging, you wanted to be there, you retained more, you were excited. And that's what I bring to this conversation. Like when you can laugh at something, you're you're not on the offense, you're not on the defense. And let's face it, these are pretty touchy topics. Um, that again, most people when have when they've been delivered the way they traditionally have been, you're either placed in one or two categories. You're a victim because you're a person of color, you're a woman, you're part of the LGBT plus community, you're differently abled, or you're a straight cisgender white man, and you're evil, and you're mm-hmm. you're a villain. And who wants? Mm-hmm. I don't know anybody who wants to be in either of those categories willingly. Like mm-hmm. that's so unfair. And how can we possibly expect people to be put in those categories and then say, okay, now let's all come together and work it out. What? What? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that that's where, you know, looking back over the, the last few years of my own evolution uh, and, you know, what turned into this podcast with Brandon was um, trying to identify what were the barriers to my own understanding. Cause once it clicked and once I learned and once I was listening, you know, those are all things, areas of responsibility that I have to own. Right. Like, but what was mm-hmm. my environment? And looking back on it, I, I became angry because, uh, not to politicize it, but growing up Republican conservative in Texas, I did feel like some of the justice language was um, used and kind of weaponized as an us versus them uh, for political power. And so, you know, that that to me was a big barrier. And so how how do we, you know, as, as a white guy, as a straight white guy at that, who has been put in the, you know, the, the villain category, how do I uh, step out of that and empower myself to, um, and, and of course, like that, I'm sure Brandon, you're cringing there with the word empowerment, but. Uh, you don't know me, Mark. Yeah, yeah. Or anybody listening, talk, you're hearing a white straight guy talk about, oh, I had to be empowered. So I, I want to actually even walk that back. But uh, 
but being okay no 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 i hear hear what you're saying and i and here's what i i say to that and that is you know so my husband is a straight (laughs) he better be he better be (laughs) straight (laughs) (laughs) he's my husband um no he's he's a he's a straight white guy and you know we've had multiple conversations about and he's also not from this country so his experience with racism here and i mean yes he's from australia but and they've got stuff going on there but it's not near what it is in america and so he's had to really kind of learn what is going on and he's very upset by what's been happening since george floyd and and it's been almost thrust in his face more you know we we did have a knockdown drag out one time about the term white privilege and which charged me to change my language because when i said that to him it was an incident we were in upstate new york i was performing um at a casino for like a comedy competition and there are just little things along the way that just looks interesting like you know on the drive from New York City, we're driving through these beautiful neighborhoods, that, like manicured lawns, everything like a Norman Rockwell painting. And I start seeing Confederate flags on the lawns. I'm like, oh, that's interesting because we're not in the South. Mm-hmm. And then we get to the venue and um, I perform and do well. My girlfriend ends up winning um, this you know, cute little thing from Boston, Kelly McFarland. And we're walking around mm-hmm. afterwards and people are coming up saying, oh, you were great. You're hysterical to her. And even if they don't like you, you usually get a, a conciliatory and you are good too. Mm, that's right. <laughs> I didn't get that. I didn't get, no. I, they weren't even looking me in the eyes. So I'm like, wow. okay, this is really weird. And she noticed it too. So the last thing that happened before I went upstairs was I was standing in line at the little patisserie or bakery to take some treats to my husband and the girls who were upstairs in the, the hotel room. And this guy in a get her done t-shirt just like cuts me off and goes in front of me and orders. I'm like, okay, th- okay, that's just flat out rude. And mm-hmm. the, the irony, of course, is Larry the Cable Guy is one of my very dear friends. Um, so I go upstairs to my husband. I go, honey, this is going to sound crazy. I go, but I think this place might be a little racist. And he goes, <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean you forgot to tell your black wife who's you here with that. your half black children? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that this place might be kind of, and it's not that I could have done anything about it, right? Obviously, I couldn't have done anything, but I would have been prepared emotionally. You know what I mean? I would have had my, 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 armor on in that respect. It caught me off guard because I am not a person who goes into a situation thinking I'm going to be treated differently because I'm a woman or because I'm black. Mm -hmm. Like that's just, I was raised by people who taught me my value, my worth, and I went to a woman's college. So like those things to me are secondary, you know, for like my thing is, yeah, I'm a comedian. I'm a speaker. I'm a this, I'm a business person. Am I black and a woman? Yeah. Those are my bonuses. Right. So when that happened, it threw me off. And I go, honey, I go, that's an example of white privilege. And he lost it. He's like, I can't believe you accuse me of that. I didn't been asked to be born in this body. Mm-hmm. I, you know, if that was such an issue, why are we even, I'm like, first of all, okay, I'm not accusing you of anything. I go, secondly, if it was an issue, we wouldn't be married and share children. Mm-hmm. And I go, you know what? Let me, let me rephrase that then. I go, here's the deal. I go, dude, you are six foot four. <laughs> taller than the average male, you got blue eyes, you're gorgeous, and you have a penis. You won the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory golden ticket in the lottery of life. You sure did. I'm 5'3", short, <laughs> black hair, 
You know, I'm trying to work out what kind of body type I am. I mean, we're going through all of this right now. You know, I'm not, right? I, I right? was not, I did not, I was that little boy in Charlie and Chocolate Factory that went up like a blue balloon. Whatever, what do you do? He drowned in the chocolate. I don't know, whichever yes. one of those. Yeah. You know. <laughs> um, and so, but and, you know, I said that to I go, so let me, let me rephrase that. So privilege may not be the right word, but advantage. And just like you have an advantage over me, if we were to walk into a car dealership, you're going to be treated differently. Maybe purely on sexuality alone. I go, but I also, that means I have to be an advocate for people who speak English as a second language or the elderly or someone who's differently able. We all have to be advocates for each other. And is it fair? No. But that's the society we live in. And so as far as, Mark, where you were talking about, you know, where do I step up to the plate in this? It's understanding that as the package that you come in, there's going to be an advantage that comes with that. And with that also comes the responsibility of being an advocate for people who don't have that advantage. And I think that's a way better terminology than privilege, because I think people hear privilege and they think, oh, well, born with a silver spoon in your mouth, being handed everything. And that's not that's not the case. Because the reality is there are more white people on welfare and on food yep. stamps than anybody else. Yep. Yeah, you yeah, know, it's really, it's, well, no, go ahead, Mark. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll fight you for it. Go ahead. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, I, I appreciate it. And even like the language of privilege and looking at the barriers to, you know, my understanding, it, it was some of that. It was kind of like the terminology. I'm like, man, we just, we need some better marketing, some better packaging around this. Yeah. Uh, to make it a little less uh, stingy to to a lot of white fragility. That is a term that I think is completely accurate that, you know, uh, there there is a lot of white fragility that we kind of do have to get over as well. Uh, and you kind of do have to have a backbone because you do have that privilege. Um, you can't, you know, sit around and woe is me, the world is, is against me uh, because you do have to recognize, like you mentioned earlier, context. What is the context before me, um, that uh, that I am, you know, because of the package that I'm born in, uh, that is advantageous to me. And so, uh, yeah, anyway, you, yeah. The, you were getting right to the language because I mean, it's just um, it's I've I have been made aware. I have been made aware, and all of the you know things that um, you know, Kareth and I, I think we've worked on in the last couple of years, definitely together. You know that uh, a mm -hmm. lot of the, the conservative circles that we've run in, it, I have been made aware. <laughs> that um, that the uh, white men that have that are typically in charge of the Republican or the Conservative Party um, don't take well to certain language, <laughs> you know. And um, whether it's the word privilege or advantage, even after creating context, you know that there's still a very wide swath of of. Um, say this conservative movement, uh, conservative political movement, uh, you know, white people in that movement who don't believe that race is an issue, or maybe mm -hmm. it's in, in it, maybe it's in the terminology, maybe it's things mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. we would see as singular terminus, right, that are actually multiple terminus, you know. Um, mm -hmm. And then, you know, we look at some of the liberal and more progressive, you know, side of things, you know, where there seems to be, you know, a, a lot more, um, I, I guess, compassionate language, quote unquote, you know, um, towards the plight of black and brown people in this country and tend to lean more into the history or a version of the history. But that, 
you know, policies across, you know, these, these years, you know, many years, maybe since the 50s, 60s, really, really 1920s, have not really had an advantage of black and brown people, some would say, right? Now, I'm, now we're not a political podcast, so we don't talk about those right. things just because right. of policy, but I'm talking literally about the disconnect be, between people that share power <laughs> and, and there are mm-hmm. all white men that are well, in charge of the I, liberal party too. So that's still going on, you know, I, th- that's a brilliant point, Brandon. That's a brilliant point. And I think, you know, speed of language, like there's like, I think there needs to be a distinction made between certain words that have been kind of lumped together, that all in one category, like people think racism and bigotry and prejudice and bias are all the same things. And they're not, they're not. They're not. That's right. You know, to me, racism is like a power thing. Like, like rape isn't a sex thing. It's a power it's thing. A power that's what thing. racism is. Yes, that's right. You know, yep. everybody has bias. Everybody has prejudice. Right. And those are things that we can, you know, tamper or, you know, if, if with if we are conscious enough about it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 it's tackling these things on different levels. Yeah. I think that is where a lot of people do get lost uh, because we kind of have lumped it together. That was the biggest lesson that I learned was, oh, wow, there is a lot of power because of uh, the systems and the white supremacist ideology that's you know permeated our culture over the last couple hundred years. Uh, that's a big onion to unpeel uh, where, you know, over the last 30 years, prior to the last few years, I just thought that it was all about bias or prejudice uh and it mm-hmm. was completely lost on the power dynamic that exists mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and and i'm seeing that a lot of folks are really scared of that right you know like who wants to be seen or identified as a rapist right i mean this gets right oh, to right. your point right like who would actually self-identify and say i am a racist or i am a rapist right i mean they and mm-hmm. those words i mean let's literally talk about how mm-hmm. similar they sound mm-hmm. i almost mm-hmm. forgot which one i used first mm-hmm. you know, just, just, mm-hmm. just now right and so i i think that you know one of the things that i've said here on this podcast and, and i go back and forth with it and I, and I stick to my ground here is that when people say that we haven't had a a conversation before about race relations in america i don't necessarily believe that i think that we've been having a conversation with different lexicon <laughs> mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. trying to translate what, what one another means. And on top of that, I don't think we've gotten down to the real question. And to me, this real question is one about humility, right? And mm-hmm. the, the inversity, the inclusive versity that you're talking about mm-hmm. is one where we can all admit that if Cain killed his brother, that I could kill mine too. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. That if there's a human fallibility or a a potential for not being perfect, um, if you're anybody but Jesus. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. Or other or whichever perfect um, kind of deity that you ascribe to. Right. Everybody else isn't in the club of perfection. Right. Um, Right. So what so how is it that we include people and you can speak this. I know you're talking about this in your book. How then do we include people who feel like. They're on the outside, sort of on all levels, right? If you're on the left, you're on the outside mm-hmm. from, from mm-hmm. the middle. If you're on the, on, on the right, you're on the outside from the middle. And if you're in the middle, you're kind of busy working and putting food on the table for your families and just trying to survive the next election, right? So like, what is going on, <laughs> you know? Right, right. Well, I mean, for, you know, first thing is, is uh, 
truly understanding. I mean, the title of the book is you can be perfect or you can be happy. And I know I, the title makes it sound like you have a choice, but the reality is there is no such thing as perfection. (laughs) You know, that was my little trick there. (laughs) I I can be perfect. Okay. Then I choose that. (laughs) Or like the one, you know, that women get this all the time, right? You can have it all. You can do it all. You can have it all, right? It's that same thing. You can be perfect. You know, know, I love that. You're perfect or you can be happy. I think I'm going to shoot for happy, but yeah. Well, that's it. And that is the only choice. And, the reality is it is a choice because I think we all know people who are pretty miserable and they've chosen that. And that doesn't mean that you're miserable because of life circumstances. Just guess what? Everybody has had some kind of trauma at some point in time in their life. We all have, we all have mm-hmm. to varying degrees, mm-hmm. of course, yep. but nobody has escaped not having something go on that has caused them grief or heartache or pain. That's life. That's reality. Mm-hmm. Now, how you choose to go about it, you know, one of the, so I call it getting back to the basics within the book. And um, in the A's, the, the A uh, section, you know, one of the, the, categ- the chapters is ask why this is happening for me versus why this is happening to me. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's really powerful because, you know, going back to kind of the word you used earlier, Mark, was, and it's empowering because what that essentially means is you're taking ownership of your life and of the things that happen. Not saying you asked for bad things to happen, but by by being able to say, why did this happen for me? Maybe it's to show you or prove just how strong you are, that you survived something, just how capable you are, that you got through a certain circumstance, that you can be an example to someone else. You know, this happened to you just, just as proof that you have purpose and God put you here with every intention to do something amazing with you. Yeah. yeah. Here's 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 a question for you. Um, you know that I'm sure you get often. Um, this word, speaking of word, not empowerment, mm-hmm. but let's. It's this is more of uh, in the negative context. Is the word equity? Mm. And equity is. I mean, this is one of those charged, charged mm-hmm. words, right? You know that depending on the context with which you come from right? You ascribe to it or you completely 100% deny it and replace it with, with something else that um, may not entirely capture for the other audience, right? <laughs> what it is that mm-hmm. you really mean or what you're accepting. So basically, you know, that, you know, if you are a marginalized person, right, this is equity that, that, that basically says, you know, that it, ta- that it will take a little bit more for you to get ahead, right? It's that picture of, you know, someone started the race earlier than you did, but yes, you yes, yes. the same race, right? So, so what's, <clears throat> what's your reaction? What does, um, you know, uh, your, you know, your the theory of change say about that, that word and those who might feel like they're ready to share out of their pain and say, I don't know how to be more of a, um, be in more of a place where I think about why is this happening for me, right? right it's happening right. to me, right? Yeah. For me, it's kind of, it's about luck and the respect of luck of who you're born to, you know, luck of being mm. born in a certain country and luck of, of, of being taught certain lessons at certain times in your life. You know, I think we all have seen people who have been born with everything. Literally everything has been handed Mm -hmm. to them and their lives are in the crapper because Mm -hmm. 
for whatever reason, you know, they had an addiction issue or they just didn't, you know, because they were handed everything, they didn't know how to go out there and work for themselves. And then we've seen people who've started with absolutely nothing, the odds completely against them. Mm. And they've risen to be the cream of the crop. Um, and then you got the in-between people. And, you know, sometimes it's a matter of, of just being lucky enough, fortunate enough to have that one person come into your life and say, you know what, you are valuable and you have worth and you can do this and plant that seed, you know, and help that seed grow and nurture. Um, you know, I, and that's, I think a lot of people don't understand that. They haven't been taught that because their parents probably hadn't been taught that or whoever raised them. And so a lot of us are kind of grabbing for straws when it comes to self-worth and our value. And that plays such a big, you, you wouldn't think that the two are associated at all, but I think that plays such a big role mm. in the conversation of people feeling like they can come to the table as equals. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And, you know, I have a debate, a perpetual debate going on in my head and in my soul about another word called reparations, right? Mm -hmm. um, which is not one that personally I would ascribe to in terms of federal policy that, you know, I didn't get my 40 acres in a mule, you know, mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. you know, it's a hundred years later, you know, so now I get 80 acres and 10 mules mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. whatever. Right. You know, like who does that math, you know, and mm -hmm. is it actually repairing? Yeah. Or, or 19 horses, right. You know, give me my 19 horses <laughs> um, or any, and, and who's to say if that would actually work to repair anything. Right. 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 But I think that what, what you're getting at, what I'm hearing, and this gets back to the introspection part, you know, what I would call the opportunity for personal transformation, right? For, mm -hmm. um, for having elevated consciousness, right? For not, for losing our sense of entitlement, black, brown, white, or indifferent, mm -hmm. right? But that doesn't mean that we don't acknowledge what the history is exactly. or what the story exactly. is, right? We take exactly. all of it in and recognizing that um, there is an opportunity in in our human, our shared human value, if we can, for some, it, and maybe mm -hmm. even for, for most of us, is that we should know where our brother and where our sister is at, and we should care. Exactly. You know, someone exactly. really important to me, a mentor uh, to me said, you know, if you care, you're halfway there. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's something to this degree. It's like, Kareth, if, if, if I really understood what it meant for you to be a black woman um, doing homeschooling with your kids, <laughs> being a wife to your husband and working the way that you do, how would I then come to you with an intentionality of serving you, loving you, um, supporting you, right? And um, I had a conversation about this whole race thing with a friend of mine as well who went through, you know, sort of the ups and downs of trying to figure out some of these words. And at the end of the mm -hmm. day, I just said, you know, let me tell you where I'm at. Where I'm at is that I wake up every morning and I have a complicated relationship with my blackness. Yeah. I don't know if yeah. I love it. I don't know if I hate it. And some days it's both. And when he heard that, mm -hmm. he was like, everything I've been asking you for the last hour means nothing. It actually doesn't mm -hmm. mean anything to me. He goes, I've been asking the wrong question. Mm -hmm. I didn't know where mm -hmm. you were at. 
and I love you. Mm -hmm. And I've Mm -hmm. been politicizing this issue. I've been culturalizing Mm -hmm. this issue without realizing that even in doing that, I've been dehumanizing you and disconnecting our relationship, right? But without that rapport, right? Without being able to be open and have that conversation and to be willing enough for myself even to transform (laughs) to actually tell him that, you know, my white friend who I've known for over a decade Right. Mm-hmm. To actually say, we've known each other for a long time, but you don't know where I'm at and you don't mm-hmm. know what I'm really struggling with. And we've been with each other and friends and friends for a mm-hmm. long time. Mm-hmm. So now there's something else that's generating out of me and something else that's generating out of him. And it's what I call synergy. It's a force mm-hmm. multiplier. Right. It's not like moving one. Uh, it's not one bull carrying a, a load, mm-hmm. but it's two mm-hmm. bull mm-hmm. carrying a load with the force and energy of three. Right. I love that. It's I love a beautiful that. thing. If that's what we need to do if we come together, we can fix all of this, right? But we've got Absolutely. to come together with forced multiplication of energy, right? Can I tell you the word that I love that you used? Mm, it was tell care. Me. And yes. that's actually care. That's a so that when I do my programming, which you've you've not sat in on it, although mm-hmm. hopefully one day you will. But the whole idea behind inversity, what I say is, you know, if we want to solve this, we have to care about one another, care about ourselves, but care about one another. And care is an acronym for conscious empathy, active listening, responsible reactions, and environmental awareness. Love it. And I teach people how to do those things. And I'm creating something called Care Academy and a curriculum and all those things, because guess what? We don't, we're not taught that. We don't, we don't get that anywhere in our lives. Right. And you can get a degree in communications and still not know how to talk to somebody, how to have a real conversation like you just did with your friend. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And most of the time we don't get that unless it's in the context of like myself personally, uh, a personal relationship that's blown up and then you go seek counseling and then maybe Mm -hmm. they they teach you how to cultivate that space and how to Mm -hmm. use your words in that way. Uh, Because I know when I started counseling and I realized that, I was like, holy moly, that is that is a game changer. I didn't realize that you felt this way. And now that you've communicated it to me, because I do care, I now have the opportunity to respond and meet you where you just expressed your need. Uh, exactly, but without Mark. saying that, without communicating it, it, it kind of robs that opportunity from me. Yeah. So. This is really powerful. It's really powerful. Listen, I told the people, you know, that I was not going to have enough time Mark and I were not going to have enough time with the wonderful Kareth, you know, who really, you know, is a superstar <laughs> in my book, you know, and speaking of books, you know, before we get out of here, um, want you to give as much um, other insight, more insight about the book and where we can get it and all the other things that are going to be happening um, in, in tow with this. Are, are you doing Absolutely. Zoom shows? Zoom, are you Zoom, I, Zoom signing I've been books doing or? some, so I've been doing some book clubs uh, for various groups around the country. I've been doing a lot of uh, book talks. Um, The book is available. You can be perfect. You can be happy on Amazon right now. You can either get the physical copy if you like to hold something or the Kindle version. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, right now that's that's really where it is um, until things get things change a little bit, but it's kind of easiest to just have it there right now because everybody's inside. (laughs) Yeah, everyone's inside. But but we can also catch you on 
other TV things. We can catch you on Fox and oh, Friends. Oh, yeah, every yeah. Now and I'm on Fox there, and Friends every yeah, now and then. <laughs> yeah. And and we love because you're talking about being a mom, talking about being a working woman. Mm-hmm. And, and, mm-hmm. You're, and, and you're doing that and having such an influence. I keep telling them, not the people. Well, I keep telling. Well, not that they listen to me over at Fox. But, <laughs> but they should listen to me. M- maybe someone will find this narrative. And I say, put her. You know, because they have you in like the early morning, you know, which is probably I good know. for all of the moms, you know, who are getting uh-huh, up and they're uh-huh. working with their kids. But I think they need to put you on like Tucker or they put you on Tucker Carlson, give you a prime time spot and actually bring some good <laughs> news. You know, let's bring some good news right? in the right? evening, please. You well, know? I want to get this adversity thing off the ground because right now, you know, a lot of people don't know about it and they think they're getting, they, there's no options. And you know what? Right. I need to say there is another option. We don't yeah. have to do the same old, same old that's not working. That's Just so good. because, you know, it's, you've never heard of it before. It doesn't mean like, isn't it time for a change? Because I think most people are kind of done with the same old, same old. I know when I go in under the, you know, hey, we're going to have diversity training, people's eyes glaze over yes, and they roll they in. Do. It's like, oh, great, another <laughs> session where I'm going to be. And I come in and it's so different. And they're like, oh my God, this was refreshing. And I felt included. Mm. And I want, they're inspired and engaged to, to, to go forward. And that's what we need. We need people recharged because we've gone through a lot of crap lately yeah. between the pandemic and George Floyd and you know everything else. It's been traumatic. Yeah, It's been traumatic for it everybody. Has been, it has been traumatic. I, I love everything that you're talking about because it gives us the opportunity to heal but not just that it gives us the opportunity to heal together mm-hmm. and i i think that uh you know whether it's in the workspace whether it's in higher education you know wherever you go mm-hmm. with this programming wide and far and bold and without restriction <laughs> um, yes, that yes. that that is the result you know is that we'll work ourselves out of a job right we'll work ourselves out of needing right to have this that's my goal that's yeah. my goal i don't want to be in an evergreen business and it exactly. feels like i am right now totally yeah i don't think anybody I, I feel the same way as like a therapist i'll always have something to give to people you know I'll always be able, <laughs> i'm like what else can i do come on over you know what i mean i know you're struggling with right, this, you know right. yeah, yeah but collectively as a community as a as a conscious community self-aware community um growing more more so you know the dnc is live tonight rnc is going to happen soon you know we have less than 80 days you know to a presidential Mm -hmm. election and then we've got to do inauguration for whoever that winner is and then we've Mm got to live another four years with the consequences of our choices positive and or negative right Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. but really Mm -hmm. this is about the people taking back and mark this is to use your word also a place it, it is it is to be empowered it's to feel powerful to feel present and to feel mm-hmm. passionate about our living. And Kareth, I just love it. You know, you can be perfect or you can be happy. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> Mark, yeah. close us down yeah. here. I got three oh, minutes man. to another phone call. Three minutes. You know how okay. we are. You know, yep, we are. yep. You stack it. Uh, well, thanks. <laughs> I mean, all I can say is thanks so much for both of you coming on, carving out time out of your busy days. And, uh, and honestly, for caring, caring about the conversation, mm. caring about the state of our world and caring enough to to try to improve uh, it wherever you have influence. So I'm grateful that I had the opportunity to, uh, to hop on this, this conversation with you two and uh, same Mark, we, we even like you and, uh-huh. <laughs> and even as a white conservative man from Texas. Right. You are likable in your own way. 
<laughs> well, this was a treat. This so was a treat for me. You guys are a hoot and a half. I'm in touch with you, so I'm going to say right. you're a hoot. Yes. Um, and just if anybody wanted to reach out to me, I my website is kareth.com. So K-A-R-I-T-H, kareth.com. And my email is kareth at kareth.com. And I just want to appreciate you all for, for having me on. Thank you so much. Do it. I love you so much. Dear, dear friends. So glad you were able to Mutual. come on today. Mutual. All right. All right, yeah. Take care. Thanks all. Talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in to Behind the Scene. Just a quick reminder that the views expressed in this podcast are strictly that of Brandon's and mine and do not reflect that of our employer. Uh, And then second, if you enjoyed this content at all, we'd love it if you could like it and subscribe. And then, of course, if you think you know anyone who would benefit from this content or would like to engage with it, please share it with them as well. And we will see you next time.